Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me is a longtime friend of the show, Jason Braddock. We go way back. All you know, Jason, from his years in Houston radio. But Jason, you've joined the podcast arena, right? What's the latest? I have. Yes, I've partnered up with Aaron Wilson, you know, from the Houston Chronicle. Uh He's been he's been in here in Houston, still in Houston, covering the Texans daily. Now he's an NFL insider for Pro Football Network. And so we've got the Houston football show. We kicked off last week, season one, episode one. It'll come out every Tuesday. So episode two uh, is this Tuesday. So be sure to check that out. We're on all the podcast platforms as well. Uh what we like to do with the show is just blend his insider information and my eye for evaluation and my sports talk background, which you mentioned, Robert, as well. And so I think it's something unique that Texas fans will like. It's year-round, once a week, hour-long show. It's fast-moving, none of the silliness or anything. It's just foot on the gas, no brakes, all Texans year-round. Yeah, Aaron knows this stuff. Glad he stayed in Houston. Glad he's still covering the Texans. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Let's get to the Texans because I know you've already hit training camp. Are you noticing big differences in how Levy Smith is doing things compared to David Cully and Bill O'Brien? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that the main thing that you take away from this camp is just it's a more laid back atmosphere. Like, uh, I don't want to say family atmosphere, but you don't feel the tension. And I guess coming off of the back of last year and maybe last year plus uh, this year just feels like a clean slate and you just feel in out. I don't want to say inside that building because we've been out there on the practice field at Methodist training, but out there in that atmosphere, guys just seem to be more relaxed, but they're still going hard. You can tell they want to play for Lovey, but Lovey's made an environment where I'm watching Laramie Tunsil today and Laramie was reminding me of Shaq. This just over huge personality, huge being, uh, great personality, great mood, cutting up. I've seen him working with Titus Howard, Them both of them going back and forth, working on technique. I've seen him working with Jonathan Grenard behind the scene, and I asked him about that today, and Tunsil said that, uh, yes, not only do you know I like taking pride in helping my teammates, but I get a lot back out of it as well, too, and something to hear that from a vet, one of the top paid at his position man lets you know the atmosphere and his mindset had a little bit of fun with the media today when they everybody they asked him about he just referred one word dog and if you recall just here recently he had the one word tweet dog so there you go it's coming full circle robert yeah, I still got PTSD from those O'Brien years, no doubt. So it can't have gotten any more tense than that. So I'm glad to hear that. Davis Mills getting early raves this offseason for his leadership. What did you think about Mills' progression last year and how he is coming into this year? Well, yeah, I think if we're going to start off with Davis Mills and his progressions, I want to go back to his college film because, Robert, when I study college prospects, I like to start from their earliest year so I can see the growth and the transition and what could possibly what the trajectory could be at that next level. And so with Davis Mills, I started watching his early film and I asked myself, like, why am I watching this kid? I mean, this, why am I watching this prospect? But after I got to that last year, the growth you've seen, I mean, he was like the 80s 
sprinklers. You remember, we grew up with those 80 sprinklers that just click, 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 click. (laughs) Well, that backside of that, that scanning, that's where Davis Mills grew in that last year of college. Instead of the clicking through progressions, he scanned the information quickly, and then you just see him process it. And what was so mind-blowing for what he did last year, and look, we could talk about the stats more in details, but everybody raving about Mac Jones and what he did as a rookie when he had uh, Josh McDaniels as OC, who's now a head coach for the second time, when he had Bill Belichick, who a lot of people refer to as the GOAT when it comes to NFL head coaches, as his head coach. And let's not even get into the two tight end sets of Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, the three wide receivers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Jacoby Myers. The weapons were far outweighed what Davis Mills had in Houston, and their production was almost identical to a T. And yet we don't see that same praise for Davis Mills, despite having David Culley, uh, having Tim Kelly, not having the weapons that we saw in New England, yet putting up that production, and this is the mind-blowing part, Robert, in, in college at Stanford, if you take out the two passes he threw, I think, as a freshman, the rest of his career, other than those two passes, he played in 13 games and had 11 starts. As a rookie in the NFL, he played in a 13 games and had 11 starts the exact same amount as he played since high school he had the same college experience as he has nfl experience that's mind-blowing when you see the production he did last year and what his potential is going in now this year with pep hamilton who we know is so creative with what he did with justin herbert and andrew luck and you think about luck and people when luck was coming out they had the code words like oh he's sneaky athletic yeah you know i mean Luck's not going to have a 4-4-40, but he can move the chains. And at that time, we saw the craze of Kaepernick, Kaepernick and Chris Alt down there uh, at Nevada with the pistol offense. And we saw Pep put that in the NFL there with Andrew Luck. And we've seen Robert Griffin III at that time. There was just this big craze with it. Pep's got that in his bag, and he likes to talk about not being pigeonholed into saying, I run a West Coast offense. He likes to say, you know, I've got the Don Coriel treatment, so there's going to be vertical threats and attacks to the offense. He's already shown the, the pistol offense. He's shown the RPOs. There'll be zone reads. I think it's going to be a creative offense, and not to get too far ahead here, Robert, but I think the key when we talk about the lack of talent at that wide receiver position is going to be 12 personnel getting the two tight ends on the field and limited the two wide receivers on the field with that one back as well yeah i want to get to the weapons in a second but lovey said the texans have two of the best tackles in football in the last Absolutely. couple of days which made me laugh because it seems like every texans observer not on the coaching staff thought titus howard should have been playing tackle instead of guard last year. Well, since he came out, I mean, the guy flipped from left side to right side at tackle flawlessly. And I get you could get pigeonholed into having a guard's body. There a lot of evaluators when he came out said he's got a guard's body. And so they get set up on the small school, uh, him coming out of a small school and concerns about tackle. So obviously, well, maybe it's a little bit safer if we move inside the guard. He's got that big body. But if you watch the film coming out when he played left tackle, when he played right tackle, and he would flip. What was insane about Titus Howard is that he would flip sides depending on the arm of the quarterback to protect the blind side at times. I mean, if it was a left-handed quarterback, you'd see him at right tackle just to protect that blind side. And if the right-handed quarterback come in, he could flip over to the left side. I, I can't overestimate 
how difficult that is to do for uh, any prospect, especially at any level in college football. But he brought that into the NFL. They did toy around, uh, toy around with kicking him into that guard position to play Charlie Heck. They still really like Charlie Heck. Lovey talked about him and Cedric O'Boyhe today. Uh, and Lovey's exact words, what he feels like that tackle position is his deepest position on the team or one of them. And he named off Charlie Heck and O'Boyhe obviously after Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil. Should we see a big leap at guard with Kenyon Green and A.J. Can? Well, we're going to have to pump the brakes. I love Kenyon Green, like this tape coming out. Love the pick there at 13. I thought it was smart instead of forcing the tackle there when you got Titus. There was talk about, well, leave Titus here and then maybe go get uh, a tackle, place him on the right side, make the best five out there. And it felt like overkill for that position because like Lovey and uh, – the buzz is coming out of Houston is that they feel like they've got the best two tackles in the NFL. And I don't think that's hyperbole. Uh, and these guys are happy. That should be scary for NFL. Cause these two tackles are happy that the environment's different. Uh, I just can't explain. You have to see yourself, but when you have athletes, professional athletes, especially with the type of year that was last year, come back, refresh, have a good environment with Lovey Smith fosters. Um, I, I just, I think, that offensive line to sky, but on Kenyon green, we know he's coming back from injuries, been banged up. Uh, it's just starting to get back out there. Pads went on today and I'll be honest with you. He's going to have to work his way back. He's, he doesn't look like he's there. And honest, this is just Jason Braddock's, uh, I and maybe it's lying to me, but it looked like he was struggling a little bit with that heat and conditioning, and that's too big coming back from in, in injury. So I wouldn't hit that panic button on Kenyon Green. That being said, I wouldn't project them like, hey, week one starter, um, because they have some other vet guys that they have been able to plug in there and get a look at and they feel comfortable with. Lots of excitement in the backfield with Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce. Any early thoughts on how they look and if we should see a huge improvement in that. I mean, it's not been a good position for the Texans. Well, I still write about fantasy football with my good friend, Dr. Roto. We've known each other going back. The first podcast I ever did was in 2011 with Dr. Roto. It's called Fantasy to Reality. He would give you the fantasy side, and he drugged me into fantasy football from that show. He'd give you the fantasy side, and I'd break down the X's and O's of the game to it. And so I mentioned that because I'm looking at evaluations at running backs and who steals in fantasy drafts, and I'm telling everyone. I did Sirius XM interview with Doc on Saturday, and I told him, I said, Damian P. 100% I'm going to have shares in. You know, obviously, I don't like drafting early because of injuries in camp. But the one benefit to drafting early is that if you feel like you've got an inside edge on, on a prospect, like last year, I was super high on Cooper Cup. And I just felt like he was going to have a big year with Stafford there, obviously, being there. This year, Cup's value is so high in fantasy. And Allen Robinson has been playing with Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, Justin Fields' rookie season. Now he gets Stafford and he plays opposite of Cooper Cup and a Super Bowl championship team. I'm, I'm going to buy on Allen Robinson low rather than pay max price for Cup. And that's not to say I'm down on Cup. I think we see another monster year from him. All that being said, bringing it back full circle here to Houston is Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. Don't tell me about Rex Burkhead. Let me tell you about Rex Burkhead here for those listening. Burkhead last year got his most carries he's ever had in NFL season. I think it was 122. I'm, I may be off a little bit there. But on those 122 carries with that role, he was 49th out of 49 qualified running backs with 3.50 yards per carry. Burkhead's not the answer. 
Uh, he's uh, they're going to try to force the New England running back by committee. But Damian Pierce is that lead back, and people might say, "Well, I'm hearing Marlon Max looking good." He is. I'm. I hope he stays healthy, and he has looked good. But you've always heard me, Robert, and however many 10-plus years of Houston radio, I've said this cliche over and over again. As humans, even professional athletes, we don't get healthier as we get older. Marlon Mack in five NFL seasons has never played more than 14 games in one season. He's never started more than 12 games in one season. And in the last two seasons, he has a total of 32 carries. And people say, well, that's because he got injured. That's the point. Every year he does. So I think uh, I I think Daria is going to have a role as a receiving back. I don't think they cut ties with him. And obviously, let me say this because we're early on in camp. This roster is going to churn. Robert, as you know, when they were third in the NFL draft, that means they're going to be third in waivers all the way through training camp, all through all this, all the way up to the third week of the regular season. So that means they got third priority on any prospect. And it's not like your waiver claims on your fantasy for those uh, watching the podcast here. Uh, it's not you. Oh, we picked a guy. Now we got to go back to the bottom. No, if you're third in claims, you pick a guy. Another guy gets cut. You're third in claims again. So Nick Casario is going to definitely be worth watching what he does at running back definitely at wide receiver and before we came on air Robert I saw that Chester Rogers we'll call him Mr. AFC South because he's played for the Titans he's played for the Colts and now Adam Schefter before he came on air has said that he's trying out meeting with the Texans tonight you look at the wide receivers he's in the mix as one of the top three wide receivers uh here in the Texans and it's a little bit to speak of the type of receiver Chester Rogers is but it's more to speak of the position as wide receiver as a whole behind Brandon Cooks right now. And that was my next question. What do you think the ceiling is for Nico Collins? Because last year, you know, he was getting his feet on the ground. He had missed a year in college. So, you know, do you feel like he's got a high ceiling? Well, I, I don't. I don't. And I, I don't want to poo-poo Texans fans. I've been proven wrong before. I'll be proven wrong again. So take it with a grain of salt. But just through my evaluation with Nico coming out, and this is before the draft. So there's no like, oh, he lives in Houston. Uh, he didn't like him because the Texas took him or whatever nonsense you may say, because all these are pre-draft evaluations. I don't know who's going to select him. So pre-draft, I had a fifth round grade on Nico when he came out. And the reason was, yeah, the, the, the body, that 6'4", 220, beautiful body. The way he shakes off the line, beats press, and on an inside route, he is unstoppable. I mean, he's going to box you out. He can get on you quickly, get you on his uh, back with that frame and box you out. I call him and Pharaoh Brown, the Texas front court because of that, because they're just boxing out and moving chains. But outside of that, he has to grow more consistent with a deeper route tree intermediate. And yes, in two minute drill today, he had a nice intermediate catch away, went up, elevated and caught it in traffic uh, from Davis Mills in two minute drill today. But outside of that, outside of that little short in route, uh, that's almost 100% completion when you're throwing that to Nico's. But outside of that, it's, it's a toss-up, 50-50, if he's going to get it, because there's no separation separations on the deep route. There's no separations on the out routes. There's no separations on any of the other routes. It's that go-to in route. And with that being said, Robert, I've seen Terrence Brooks sit on that in route, come up, and they let Nico catch it because this was before pads were on and there's no contact there. But he pulls up and he comes screaming, talking about, I caught a body because he – 
they know what Nico's going to run and they see it every day. So once you go into an NFL season, if it's unstoppable now, as they see that family, like, wow, Nico's just catching these little short ends, short ends, short end. Well, you're going to have DBs dive on it. You're going to have safeties come in for the contact. Well, we saw that again a second time today. Pads on, but they still held up. And this time it was the rookie Jalen Petrie who saw what was coming and was right there and just yelled out, boom. And Nico catches both of the passes, obviously, because he knows he's not going to take the hit. But that's something worth worth watching because he's got to develop outs. He's got to develop in the meter he's got to develop uh deep routes it's got to be more than you just throw it out there and i'm not going to have separation i'm just going to elevate and, and manhandle them because it hasn't been his game there's so much rawness to his game and last thing i'll say on nico why i was so concerned about the upside you asked about is who was his quarterback at i mean not quarterback excuse me who was his head coach at michigan jim harbaugh three years he was under head coaching nfl coaching like this isn't a guy coming from saginaw state or whatever college it may be. He came from Michigan with a former NFL coach, former NFL quarterback, Jim Harbaugh. He got three years of NFL coaching, and still when he came out in that draft, he was still that raw. So I think there is a limitation to that upside. So you think it, it's not the physical stuff. It's, you know, he's had the coaching. The and, and, and he's not he's not getting that. Uh, well, not yet, but I mean, again, he's only gone into a second year in the NFL. He still shows flashes, but if he's going to be the number two on team and that's what uh, that's what the Texans want from him use a third round pick on a guy big body guy with those type of movement skills and the lack of talent at that wide receiver position after Brandon Cooks is just glowing that's why they're meeting with Chester Rogers and obviously the John Mechie I mean it's bigger than football but uh his illness obviously factored into the lack of depth on the chart as well but what they're looking at now is they need somebody in there because if you ask me who's been the second best and Brandon Cooks looks amazing this this dude he's just a pro's pro I see why everybody raves about his personality he's just a pro's pro and I mean he just looks better every year so um, behind Brandon Cooks though if you ask me who's been the most consistent and gets open it's the same guy who was the most consistent last year Chris Moore Chris Moore caught 21 passes on 22 targets last year with the Texans 95.5% catch rate well, let's compare that to 2016 through 2020 when he was with a former M MVP in Lamar Jackson, where his catch rate was 56%. Where you're like, well, was he just catching dinks and dunks? No, yards per catch were 10.9 to 10.8, almost identical. And he did that. Davis Mills helped do that. And Chris Moore, to his credit, was able to catch 20. Only one ball hit the ground out of 22 pass attempts. And I don't think enough's been made of that. So I've come into camp with an eye on Chris Moore. Today, every Every one-on-one -on -one rep he went into, he won. Uh, every uh, every rep he had except in two-minute late, Davis Mills overthrew him on a pass. He's always open. The ball never touches the ground. He uncovers quickly. Uh, he's in the mix for a top three wide receiver. And right now, uh, he's looked the second best if we're talking consistently, playing like a pro, being where he's supposed to be, and making the catch, making the play every time. It's Chris Moore. Casario is not a big guy about names. He's about performance. So I think that's going to matter a little bit. And uh, let's switch sides of the ball. How much impact do you think Stingley and Petrie can make in this secondary that was, you know, flat out awful last year? Immediate, immediate impact. Derek Stingley, he's going to have rookie moments. You're talking about a guy that they may go out there and say week one, hey, we want you to own the opposing team's number one wide receiver, shadow him, mirror him, whatever you want to call it. 
wherever he goes, that's where you want. That's a big ask. But I mean, when you're talking about the Texans and not having Super Bowl aspirations this year, that might be that trial by fire that Derek Stingling needs because you see that 24 on him and you hear the whispers like, could he be the next Daryl Revis and Island? Well, if he has, if he can catch, the coverage won't be an issue. The technique is flawless and it's insane to watch when you look at that, that body. I mean, he's just body beautiful when you talk about it and that technique with that type of speed and that body it's insane to watch so uh and you watch him go through drills you watch him go 100 i'm not uh, i i was concerned about the injury because that's all the buzz going into the draft is that uh mod sauce gardner would be the first cornerback because everyone's concerned about uh stingley's injuries and i understand that when you see the limited action in the missed time of the last couple of years but this guy looks like a quietest kept type cornerback that likes to step up in the biggest moments. So I think we're going to have to see in the preseason and definitely in the regular season who he really is and how he responds to those moments. Jalen Petrie, stud, star. I think week one NFL season, this dude is a name around the NFL, the next Buda Baker. I don't know how he got out of the first round. Texans fans asked me after the first round going to day two, who's your best available for the Texans? Who you think? And I put out a list and I said, this is in order. Number one is Jalen Petrie. There was no way he should have made out the first round. There's no way he should have made it down to the Texans. This guy is a stud. This dude is a star. Whatever name you want to throw on it, no hyperbole. He's going to be a playmaker day one yeah i love everything that i've heard about him we talked to somebody that covered him in the draft and you know it's kind of the opposite of nico collins he's all about the instincts and he gets all of that stuff right uh this front seven who impresses you for for the front seven uh, Malik Collins is a guy that really came in. I liked him when he came out in the draft several years ago. Then he came to Houston and he's kind of got Ross Blacklock buried behind him. And a lot of that's got to do with Ross Blacklock too. You got to take that by the throat, especially as you go into year three as the, uh, you know, Tom, the Tom to produce now as a second round pick. No more excuses. You got Roy Lopez, who, um, you know, they got great value with, and they're starting to find that value. I think they did it again with that, um, that one technique there behind Roy Lopez with Thomas Booker. So, I mean, when we start talking about a two deep and especially over a 17 game season where you got depth to take on the injuries. And when the rotation goes in, you don't have a fall off in talent. When we talk about that too deep, the Texas have it across their front line like a uh, time I can't remember. Now, they might not be the biggest, splashiest name. They didn't draft Adrian Hutchinson. They didn't draft Kayvon Thibodeau. They didn't go out in free agency and sign some uh, big-name player or trade for a Khalil Mack or anything like that. But I think what Casero did is what Casero's always done with New England. I compare this front seven and this, more specifically the pass rush to I think it was that 2016 Patriots team that had Trey Flowers, Jabal Shear. Chris Long, Rob Nikovich, all of them had four plus sacks. Well, you know what Jonathan Grenard is? Jonathan Grenard is that stud. He had, I think it was week three through eight, he had eight sacks and just that five, six week period or whatever it was before the injury, then he only had one sack the rest of the way. 35 inch arms on Jonathan Grenard. Long arms has that spin move uh, technique. Like he'll really grow. But opposite of Grenard, they brought in these vets like reminiscent to that 2016 Patriots. Again, I believe it's 16 Patriots with um, 
those guys I mentioned, but here is Mario Addison, it's Racine Green, it's Jerry Hughes, uh, Jordan Jenkins out injured right now, but he could come back in that mix. So they just have this, uh, this well-blended mix that's going to keep a healthy rotation where that pass rush is consistent down in, down out with minimal fall off. You mentioned Chris Moore earlier. That could be an under-the-radar guy for some uh, Texans fans. G- give me one other under-the-radar player that you think the Texans uh, fans should look look for, You know, maybe not a draft pick or something like that. Uh, a guy I've, I like. Um, I liked him coming out. He reminded me more of a CJ Procise, a guy that could do some things out of the backfield and receiver. But the Texans, I think they probably like him at receiver. And he played, he spent 2018, 2019, and 2020 with Davis Mills. He's 6'1 with a 6'5 wingspan. And mentioned it today because he just came off a, a, a great day where he just came. He plucked everything out away from his body with that 6'5 wingspans. DBs, even if they were on top of him, where in a lot of cases they weren't, they couldn't uh, break up the ball at the mesh point because he's catching it so far out and away from his body with that insane 6'5 wingspan. And again, three years of chemistry built with uh, Davis Mills there at Stanford. I think he's a guy to watch. A guy, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know much about coming into this. Uh, Davion Davis, today he caught my eye. Uh, We look at that slot position with John Mechie, uh, the unfortunate illness, and how that probably opens up that slot position quite a bit there. And if we look at guys that could get in the mix there, I think Davion Davis got in that conversation today. He just kept finding a way to get open quickly as well, too. But uh, Connor Weddington is a guy I think could get a fifth, sixth wide receiver spot on this team if they bring in, and I'm saying that's even after they bring in a Chester Rogers. Because at this point, I would be shocked if Chester Rogers doesn't sign tonight after visiting with the Texans. Because at this point, where can you go in the NFL out of 32 NFL teams, 30 not counting the teams you've already played for you're familiar with the afc south that's all you played in and uh where else are you going to go where you could be a top three receiver right now going into camp and that's what he would have here in houston he'd be in that mix yeah it sounds like you are more excited than you've been in a while for the texans which is great to hear great stuff let me just remind everybody again it's, it's the houston football show podcast right with you and aaron wilson that's absolutely right. Every Tuesday, Tuesday evening, uh, you'll see it. You'll get the alert. It's coming out. Houston Football Show, episode two tomorrow. Um, and we'll obviously be talking a lot about what we've been seeing out at camp and what we see tomorrow as well. At Jason Braddock on Twitter. It's Jason with the Y, if people have forgotten. And uh, are you, you're still writing for Dr. Roto as well. Yeah, I still write for Doc, do some evaluations. I'll, I'll continue to do some fantasy articles, in-season sleepers, different evaluations, things as that as well. Fantastic. Well, love talking to you. Love catching up. Just a reminder to our listeners. Yes, we're going to talk Astros in the next 24 hours in the trade deadline and what's going on as me and Jason are talking. Everything's busting loose and everything. So we're going to get into it as soon as that trade deadline hits uh, at the end of uh, Tuesday. And we'll have a podcast on that. But uh, thanks so much, Jason. Love talking to you. Love catching up, brother. Uh, Man, it was awesome catching up, seeing you. Thank you for the invite, Robert. Hope everybody's doing well. Man, great to see you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.